Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us online here today. Uh, if you are new to Grace Point, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I am uh, coming to you today from my basement uh, home office, trying to honor Governor Wolf's um, order here for everyone to stay at home as much as they can. And um, so we're doing that the best that we can, trying to take the best advice we can from our medical experts and our and our leaders here in government. Um, also want to say welcome to those listening on the podcast. Glad to have you joining that way as well. Uh, well, you found our, us in Disrupted Part 3 as we talk about um, how do we keep going when life around us seems to stop? Uh, this week I was reminded of many years ago at one of my first jobs that I had. Um, it was an exciting job. It was a fast-paced job. And I was a young teenager just kind of getting used to uh, working, you know, in a part-time role. And, um, I, you know, I was making well above minimum wage, which I think was $4.25 an hour then. I think I was making like $4.75, which was pretty exciting for me. And, uh, you know, as I kept going in that company, I moved from department to department to department um, and got little promotions along the way. Um, I felt just really great and felt honored that things were going so well. And uh, it was exciting to go to work, fast-paced environment, very fun. And ultimately, they uh, you know entrusted me to train uh, the people who were new and coming behind me, which I thought, man, that's a great honor that they would encourage you know allow me to train people. And so I was training and just having a great time until I came into work one day and realized that I had trained my replacement because they had laid me off. And um, you know I remember the conflicted feelings inside of me of like what? Like I wasn't expecting this. I was working in this direction and I was planning to you know continue to, to do this and they were bumping my pay up 25 cents an hour whatever it was you know as I kept kept growing in the company and then all of a sudden my life kind of got rocked a little bit and as a teenager that was a pretty big thing for me and this morning I want to think about with you um, what do you do what do you do when life is rocked a little bit when it kind of knocks you off center because for all of us We've been knocked off center a lot right now. You know, my story, uh, my early job is kind of like child's play for what we're all dealing with right now. The the massive change that we're all dealing with. We've all been knocked off center. I don't care who you are. You've been impacted significantly by the world that we are now in. And what I think happens sometimes when we are knocked off center is that sometimes there's a fear and an unhealthy fear that actually comes walking right in the front door of our lives. When we are knocked off of center, when we don't guard that door from unhealthy fear, it can come walking in. And one of the things about unhealthy fear is that it's very quiet when it walks in the door. In fact, you don't often know it's there. It'll kind of takes, it takes its shoes off and kind of finds its way into your home, makes itself at home, and before you know it, there's unhealthy fear that has walked right in and is living in your heart and in mine, and it often masquerades as something very different. So this morning, I want to talk with you in this Disrupted series about how we both guard the door of our heart during this season and how we understand what unhealthy fear does. Here's why I think it's important uh, for, the, for you maybe to listen to this message this morning, and that is this, that I think that unhealthy fear, unhealthy fear can trap us and distort our world. So if you get nothing else from this, I you know, hope you get this, that unhealthy fear can do two things. It can trap you, and I want to explain that this morning, and then it can also distort your world. Okay. Now, 
to get into this and to kind of help us get oriented to this, I want to turn to the, the book of Psalms. And I'm going to be reading two different Psalms today, uh, one at the beginning and then one toward the end. I'll be alluding to a couple of different Psalms, but the Psalms are a a book in the Bible. If you have a Bible with you, I would invite you to turn um, to the middle of your Bible, or if you don't have a Bible, physical Bible in front of you, the Version app uh, on your phone or your tablet will, will do just fine. But Psalm chapter 30 is a psalm of dedication for the temple. And David is writing here, and he says this. He said, when I felt secure, this is verse 6 of Psalm 30, when I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. O oh Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. You ever feel that way? Like when I was confident, when I felt secure, I kind of looked around and said, man, no one's ever going to knock my business off. I mean, my relationships are great. Things are moving forward. My mountain is set. When you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. Things are going right. She said, yes, we got the job. We got to move. Things are going in the right direction. And then at the last part of verse 7, he says, But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. Interesting. When you hid your face, I was dismayed. He's saying, I, I took a hit. I was knocked off center. I began to have these feelings come into my heart. This idea of being dismayed is this idea of being almost tortured in your soul. This like fear that comes in. I, I began to fear all of a sudden. I used to be confident. Things used to be going in the right direction. My family used to be in order and my plans for commencement and, and the missions trips and my athletic team and my business future, they used to be set on a mountain. But then it kind of feels like life hit me and it knocked me off and now, now I'm dismayed. Now I'm afraid of what might be. And then it's out of this anxiety and fear that he calls to God in verse 8. He says, To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord I cried for mercy. What gain is there, he says, in my destruction? Is my going down in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? I mean, he's saying, God, how will this benefit you if I go down? How will this help your kingdom if this doesn't work out? How will it help you if I can't pay rent? How will it help you if my family falls apart? How will it help you if my business fails? How's it going to help you if our marriage doesn't get patched together again or if we never get healed from the sickness? I mean, how's that going to help you if all of a sudden I'm reduced to dust? Can you please help me, God? So he, he says, hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. And I think right there is where we are right now. This is where we are in this space, where we have an anxiety that has knocked us down. And then we have this prayer to God that says, God, okay, we're here. Will you help us, please? Now, the psalm finishes in verses 11 and 12. But before I read that, I want to say this, that psalms can often um, introduce a significant problem and then solve it within 30 seconds. And it can feel like, well, that's the way life should be. I mean, if it's there in the Psalms, isn't that how that works in real life? You know, that I'm going to put my plea out to God. I'm going to pour out my heart. And man, by the time I open my eyes and say, amen, God's going to deliver. I'm going to feel closer and all my problems will be resolved. And I don't think that's the case. What we read in verses 11 to 12 is true. It just may not be sequential in time to the prayer itself. Okay, so what we read is true, it just might be 
a generation or two or three until it comes to bear. There's a difference and a patience in our relationship with God that I want to acknowledge. So he says in verse 11, You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. And I think he's calling for that, kind of yearning for that, saying, Help us see, God, help me see that there's a kind of a good side to what happens when I get knocked off. When I, when I was on my mountain and all was secure, things seemed great. But when I'm knocked off, if my attention turns to God, this can be a good thing. Because not all fear is bad, right? Not all fear is unhealthy. The fear that makes me make wise decisions is good fear. I don't want to jump out of an airplane without a parachute. I frankly don't even want to jump out of an airplane with a parachute. But if I had to make a choice, I'm going to choose the parachute because the fear will drive me to make a wise choice. So fear that drives wisdom and fear that drives love are good things, but unhealthy fear is different. Unhealthy fear is different. Unhealthy fear can trap us and distort us. And this is the first point that I want to make here is that unhealthy fear can trap us in our comfort zones. And I want to give thanks, by the way, to Dan Allender again. Um, his book, The Cry of the Soul, has helped me in this entire series. Uh, so I just want to recognize that. But he says here, th this idea of unhealthy fear, right? Unhealthy fear can trap us in our comfort zone. This has been a really helpful concept to me. I don't know what you're doing with your schedule now that um, we're working from home, staying from home. Some of you have been laid off. Um, your schedules are different. Your kids' schedules are different. Um, what I have tried to find is places where there, the, um, there's comfort to me, there's a routine of schedule. You know, I'll get up early and I'll have my morning, my version of a morning coffee, which is my own little homemade cappuccino here. I'll spend time actually in this room, um, just being quiet and reading, some time in prayer in the morning. Um, I'll exercise actually often in this room. I have a little bike on a trainer, I'll do that indoors sometimes. So there's certain routines in this space that I will kind of flock to in this season to give me some normalcy right now. And I'm sure you have those too. These are what I might call comfort zones. There's areas in life in which I'm comfortable operating. I have those comfort zones in relationships. I have those comfort zones in my finances. I have them in my spiritual life. I have them in how I resolve conflict and all kinds of things. But one of the things about unhealthy fear is that unhealthy fear not only drives you to a comfort zone, but it can trap you in that comfort zone. It can actually imprison you in the very place where you go to get comfort. For example, if you um, have been betrayed in a relationship, if you've been hurt by somebody that you love, and your heart is telling you, listen, don't open yourself up again like that. Your comfort zone needs to be closer to your heart. Don't expose yourself to people like that again. Don't, don't open up in that way. And if you stay in that space, you know, that comfort zone will actually imprison you to a kind of solitary self-isolation in life, which will, yes, indeed protect you from hurt, but will keep your soul from ever being alive again. You know, some of us wrestle uh, with conflict resolution, and we have comfort zones around conflict resolution. I might prefer to to just repress it and pretend it doesn't exist and to, to not enter hard conversations with my wife or hard conversations with people whom I love. And in that space, my comfort zone might be, boy, things seem awkward and it's hard to have the conversation. So my comfort zone is let me pull back and kind of just hope that time will heal it and not even talk about it. 
Unfortunately, what that can do is it can actually imprison me in that space. It'll imprison me in having a distance built in my relationship with my spouse or someone whom I love. And that which is comfortable to me actually imprisons me. Same for uh, people I know who sometimes are afraid of traveling, um, afraid of traveling internationally. I know right now none of us can anyway, but there's a season in which um, some of us are just afraid of, you know, I don't know if I would ever want to leave the country because there's so much whatever out there, so much, you know, disease and fear and hurt out there. So, you know, I've run into people who just will live their life in fear and their comfort zone is limited to only, you know, experiencing life here in the good old U.S. of A. And I feel sorry for the trap and the imprisonment that they're in because there's so much diversity in life and a globalness even to the church that is being missed when we don't see and give ourselves opportunity to go outside of our comfort zone. So unhealthy fear can trap us in our comfort zone. And at first it feels good and right to be in that comfort zone. But if we stay there, then we get trapped and imprisoned in a space where we cannot grow in our faith. We cannot grow as people in that space. So unhealthy fear can do that. It can trap us, but secondarily, it can distort our reality. We can seem weaker and our enemies can seem bigger and God can seem smaller. It just distorts things. Things are out of whack. I can't see right. Things are just you know, misplaced. They're, they're, they're the wrong size. I don't see correctly. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 17, we read, A thousand will flee at the threat of one, and at the threat of five you will all flee away. What a powerful little verse. And I, you know, I love that verse because it reminds me of some of the struggle that, that I have in my own life, giving too much space for one voice. Have you ever given too much uh, space for the voice of the critic in your life? You ever given too much space for the voice of a parent in your life? You ever given too much space for your own voice of self-contempt, of hating who you are, wishing that you were a different person, the things that you've done in your past were, you know, were gone and passed you? You ever given a voice way too much space? You ever given a voice way too much room to, 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 um, to move you and to change you? And this is what unhealthy fear does. It distorts our reality. It makes us think that these little voices here and there are actually bigger than they really are. Now, there's another psalm here in Psalm 22. If you have a Bible, again, I invite you to turn to that. Psalm 22, I love this psalm because it gives us a picture of what the psalmist um, is experiencing with the fear that he's going through. And I, I love how it begins. In Psalm chapter 22, I'm going to jump in into verse 11. But here we see a psalmist, a guy who's writing this, who is really... Um, He's, having a, he's just overwhelmed, and his struggle is actually, he's making it bigger than it really is. So you can listen along, you can follow along in verse 11 of Psalm 22. He says this, Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. I've just been melting away from fear. It has melted within me, he says. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. In other words, he can't talk. He's just out of words. He's so overwhelmed with the bigness of the problems around him. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. 
They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. I mean, this is a picture of a guy whose fears are big. The threat is huge around him. He's talking about lions. He's talking about these bulls of Bashan. He's talking about his bones being exposed. I mean, he's talking, he's got, he's got big problems. He's got big problems. And that is his reality. Thankfully, he doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 19, and there's a, a plot twist. He says, but, but you, Lord. He says, but you, Lord. He first of all recognizes, and I think he recognizes the fear for what it is. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. And you can see the shift in mentality. He's like, wait a minute. You are my strength. He says, come quickly to help me. And then he says, deliver me from the sword my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. You see, he hasn't given up hope yet. He recognizes that the things that he's listed at the beginning are indeed real to him. It is that there's a bigness and a depth and a pain to the um, fears and struggles around him. The troubles of the world are real, are, are real, but it doesn't stop there. He calls out to God for help. And then in verses 22 to 24, he replaces his fear with the fear of the Lord. Look at verse 22. I will declare, he's making a decision, I'm going to do this. I'm going to declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. And he finishes by, by changing and replacing the fear that he has with his circumstances with the fear of the Lord. So, with that being said, I want to ask this question. What do I do with the unhealthy fear that wants to trap and distort me or wants to trap and distort you? What do you do with that? What do you do with the fear that wants to trap you and distort you and distort your reality? I want to encourage you to do this. It's real simple, but it's not easy. And that is this. I want to encourage you to recognize and replace. I want to encourage you to recognize and replace. I want to encourage you to recognize that at times when our life is knocked off center, when we were on the mountain and we felt strong, but then things changed drastically around us, that at those times we are vulnerable to unhealthy fear walking right in the front door, quietly coming into our hearts, making itself at home, and trapping us in our comfort zones and distorting our realities. That is what can happen. And I need to recognize it. I need to recognize and ask the question, are the fears that I am having keeping me stuck or are they helping me to grow? Are the fears that I'm experiencing teaching me wisdom and helping me exercise love? Or are the fears keeping me hoarding things, keeping me silent, keeping me preserving my energy for myself? Am I trapped in my comfort zone? And has my reality been distorted? Do I still see God as someone who can deliver me even though there 
is indeed a raging world out there. I need to recognize what's happening and then replace, replace that fear with courage. <laughs> and I know that sounds super easy. Well, just replace fear with courage as if we can change the batteries in the remote and it will work again. I know it's not that easy, but I know it's also exactly what we read about throughout the Bible. A couple of Psalms to point out to you to hopefully encourage you. Psalm 27.3 says it this way, that though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear, and though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Can you imagine that? If war were to break out against you and an army besiege you, he's saying, I'm still going to choose not to fear. And then Psalm 46.1-3, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, though there is almost like an earthquake and chaos going on all around me, I'm going to trust in God as my refuge and strength. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4, says, this, says it this way, Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. So let me ask you this question. What unhealthy fears have walked in the front door of your life and made themselves at home? What unhealthy fears, since we've all been knocked off center, have walked in the front door of your life and made themselves at home? Where are you most tempted to preserve, to withhold, to, to choose self-preservation rather than wisdom and love in relationship? Where are you trapped in your comfort zone? Where are you distorted in your reality about what could be? I really want to encourage you to think about this, and I want to kind of conclude with this idea and say this, that if this was easy, you would have already done it. And it's not. This is not easy. There's a space between recognize and replace that I want to acknowledge. Like you can see it. Some of us just know that we're not being the kind of husband or wife that we should be right now. Good grief, you're spending a lot of time at home with your significant other right now. And the tensions, if there were tensions before, trust me, and you know it, there are tensions even greater now. If you're with your kids and you're feeling a distance and you're parenting with them, you're seeing it now. Let me encourage you, don't ignore that. Don't be trapped in your comfort zone of hoping, oh, I can't wait to get back to work and into my normal rhythm so I don't have to address the deficiencies in my own leadership at home. Don't be trapped in your comfort zone, unable or unwilling to grow through this time. And it is hard. If this was easy, if this was easy, you would have done it already. So I want to encourage you to ask the question right now, what unhealthy fears have walked right into your heart during this season and knocked you off center. Financial fears, relational fears, conflict fears, identity, whatever it might be for you, and knocked you off center. This is the world that we now live in. We haven't just lost a job, we've lost our collective job, so to speak. Everything has changed around us, and I know it's been a challenging season. This is, I hope, an encouragement to you that you can replace the fears that you have with a courage a courage to displace that fear with trust and hope and courage 
that God will indeed come. He will indeed come. This has been Disrupted Part 3 next week as we get into Easter. I'm looking forward to that service with you. But I also want to say next week I'm looking forward to the conversation around how fearing big things can put the small things that we have in perspective. And so I'm looking forward to that conversation next week. Will you pray with me? Our good God and Heavenly Father, thank you for the chance to be together here, even virtually this morning. And I do pray for our uh, Grace Point family and friends who are joining us this morning. And I pray that you would give us the courage to trust you in the middle of the fear that tells us to withdraw and to withhold and to step back. I pray that you give us the courage not to be imprisoned in our comfort zones. You give us the courage not to believe that our distorted view of reality is actual reality. I pray that you would give us the courage to see you again for who you are, to trust you as the God who comes and delivers no matter what. We know that your timing is different than ours and we recognize that and sit under your sovereignty. And yet we trust. Give us the courage to trust no matter what. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.